0: Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to RotoWire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co host, as always, is AJ Scholes, a great follow at AJ Scholes24. That's AJ S C H O L Z24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, very close to RotoWire headquarters over in Madison. Today, there are going to be only 18 teams that we touch on. Those are all the teams that still have. Uh, hope of making the playoffs in addition to all those teams that have already qualified we're not going to talk about the also runs anymore until the off season and uh, with that in mind aj we have to look at two weeks left in the schedule and uh, the division races are heating up in the atlantic we know the four participants we just don't know the order of finish it's uh Pretty much a lock that Florida will be finishing first. I think their magic number is down to two, and that could be taken care of tonight with Tampa and Toronto facing off. And then the Leafs have a very comfortable lead in that uh, second place to get the other home at ice advantage in that first round over either Tampa or Boston. And those two teams are in a tussle for third and fourth place. And I'm not sure if there's a reward fit for finishing fourth because then you cross over and, and and you get one of the wild card spots against. One of the division winners, so both those teams are have an incentive to play their best and uh, hope that they match up against the Leafs for uh, possibly a more favorable matchup, I suppose. AJ, but uh, the Bruins and and Tampa Tampa they don't face off anymore the rest of the season. Uh, they both have some concerns right now with Tampa uh, giving up a few more goals than they like of late, and Boston n- nicked up with injury concerns. So. Uh, third and fourth up and up for grabs right now, first and second pretty much locked down. uh your thoughts on that group
1: I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, right, like Boston and Tampa would much rather play toronto um than than having to match up with uh looks like you know they could end up as as the last wild card, but looks like potentially the first wild card, which I think gets you either Carolina or the Rangers um So, yeah, I guess I'd rather have the Leafs, especially with Boston. They've kind of had their number lately. But um, speaking of the Metropolitan, I'll I'll dive us into that. As I mentioned, at the very top, uh, Carolina and New York, the the Rangers are uh, pretty much neck and neck here. You've got a tie in points for first place in the Metro. Carolina gets the edge with one more regulation win. Um, So pretty tight, like I said, pretty tight group there. Going to pull up the schedule here real quick. They do have one remaining matchup next week, Tuesday. Uh, So that could be a big one to try and decide uh, or going a long way, at least to try and decide who gets first place. Uh, And then it's, there's no clear favorite either in in, uh, third versus the wild card, the Penguins and the Capitals again, tied in points here. Uh, Tied in regulation wins and Pittsburgh getting the slight edge with the regulation and overtime win category as the tiebreaker. Those two teams do not play each other again. I would argue the Penguins have the slightly more favorable schedule down the stretch with matchups against Detroit, Philadelphia, and Columbus remaining while Washington, uh, you know, has uh, Arizona, the Rangers, um, Toronto, Toronto will be a tough one. And then the Islanders twice, which is never an easy game for anybody. So it'll be interesting to watch here uh, heading on the week. That's pretty much the roundup for the East. Paul, any thoughts on the Metro from you or should we take a look at the West?
0: Well, I'm I'm thinking that uh, there are some concerns probably in the back of your mind in terms of what your team's fortunes will look like. I'm curious to see what you say about them when we do our thumbnail of the 18 teams that we will cover later on in the show. But I'll say that, that uh, they're going to get Malkin back soon. His suspension is over, I think. Isn't it, AJ? Or he's After that- tonight. He's out right?
1: tonight and then he'll be back.
0: Right. So that will right the ship offensively. And uh, they need to get a healthy starting goalie back in the lineup. And uh, I know you'll have more to say about Tristan Jari later in the show. So a bit of a concern there because you look at the other side, uh, potential with a matchup with, with the Rangers. Chester can come off a week where you had two shutouts. I'm sure you're not looking forward to your team matching up against them. And Carolina has an issue with Freddie Anderson being out of the lineup. We'll touch on that later too. So a uh, few goaltending issues in this division that uh, are at the top of the, the newsreels yeah. uh, of late when you come, come to this group. In terms of the Western Conference, the Central Division, the Colorado Avalanche uh, have been, Holman cooled out in terms of first place, and behind them, I can't wait to see Minnesota and St. Louis uh, battle it out in in that series. It's going to be old school hockey, uh, a big couple of big physical teams that have all kinds of strengths up and down the uh, lineup. I don't see any weaknesses anywhere uh, between the two teams. Maybe it's Minnesota has a uh, maybe a pronounced edge in terms of goaltending because of the veteran pair that they have there. Instead, St. Louis just starting to get a little bit of traction with Bennington, but they've been riding the hot hand of Billy Huso for some time. He's been something of a revelation in that regard. But that matchup looks like the only one signed and sealed uh, so far. And uh, Colorado can look forward to maybe a crossover date with the fourth-place finisher, it looks like, in the – Pacific conference, because I think that Nashville or Dallas is going to finish with more points than, than Vegas. So it, can you imagine Colorado and Vegas in the first round, AJ? So that, that's certainly a possibility at the moment. And uh, I know a lot of people would anticipate that very much. So uh, your thoughts on this group?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I do think it says something about uh, the West in general and and really the Central that, as of right now, both wild cards would come from the Central Division. Um, I I think there's, you know, what do they say, a snowball's chance in hell. Um, uh, I do think there is, of Nashville potentially winning out and maybe tying on points... they, there's, there's a weird combination here. It looks like if Minnesota lost all their games and Nashville won all of theirs, they might be able to get past them. But let's just assume it's not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, so you're looking at the, the wild card spot. Again, um, a lot of that comes down to what comes out of the Pacific. Now, in terms of that division, Calgary is really the only team in the Pacific that is 100% secured From a mathematical standpoint, their spot here, um, you've got, you know, Vegas has, uh, or Edmonton rather, comes in second at 96, L.A. at 92, Vegas at 89, and Vancouver at 87, uh, with about four to five games remaining depending on the team. So it is not impossible that if Vegas or Vancouver is unable to track down Dallas, they could still potentially catch L.A., um, so there's a lot to watch here. I think the biggest game uh, from the, the West though, or Pacific, well, both actually from the West here is Vegas playing Dallas on Tuesday next week. That one will really kind of shore things up there. Um, Vancouver for their part, you know, they are the longest of shots here and they don't have an easy road to, uh, to hoe here. They've got Minnesota, Calgary, Seattle should be an easy one for them. And then a back-to-back to end the season against the Kings and Oilers. So four of their five games against playoff teams. So while they're not mathematically out, there's still a combination by which they can get there. I think Vancouver's probably unlikely at this point. And so really the wild card comes down to Vegas, Dallas, Nashville, or the possibility that Vegas would catch uh, L.A., which is not outside uh, the realm of possibility. Three-point gap there. Both teams have four game, uh, four games remaining.
0: That's a great summary, AJ. And uh, Edmonton kind of has separated themselves. They've really shut things down defensively, which is something I, have, I don't think either of us even contemplated as a possibility all season long. But it's certainly been a key to their most recent success and has given them a four-point lead on. L.A. for second place in that division with a game in hand and only five games left for them, four for the Kings. So things are pointing to Connor McDavid getting back into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And that's always an exciting prospect for uh, even the, the faintest of hockey fans out there. But I still would love to see Vegas and Colorado in the first round. That'd <laughs> be <great. That'd> be <laughs> I, I'm fun.
1: honestly like normally I would cheer for Vegas in this spot, but. Because of my prediction at the start of the year, like I'm closely watching like the Dallas games, which I, I never watched Dallas games during the year. But I'm like, all right, come on, guys, you got to win because uh, it's I, I want that prediction to be right just because it was such a, a admittedly a, an out there, outrageous uh, suggestion that Vegas would be out. but. Certainly looks like it it could potentially happen.
0: Yeah, it could, although they're as healthy now as they've been all year. So don't don't bet against them uh, getting hot at the right time. And that makes them a very scary proposition should that come to pass. But I think there's still some concerns in the Nets. And again, we'll cover that when we get to them. Uh, in a little more detail later on in the show. And with that, AJ, why don't we swing into action and instead of looking at 32 teams in rapid fire, we're going to cut it down to 18 and maybe do a little bit of a deeper dive and uh, cover off the news that is relevant to each of these clubs, beginning with the Boston Bruins. In the past seven days, they've won two of three. Jeremy Swayman receded for all three appearances, picking up two wins and six goals against. Matt Grizzlick has been a key for them on the blue line uh, in place of an injured Hampus Lindholm, he's getting a little more ice time, and uh, we're looking at some details about possible returns for for uh, Pasternak, Lindholm, and Ulmark, All three key members of this team. Looks like Lindholm and Ulmark are looking at Saturday, and uh, you, you gave me an update just now, Pasternak looking to return on Sunday. So uh, they look like they'll have all hands on deck for the final week of the season. And really that's all that really they, they are looking for. They've really buttoned things down in terms of the defensive side of their game. I mentioned that Swainman made three appearances, allowing six goals against. Uh, it looks like Boston's going to use their trademark tight checking and physicality to kind of reel in whoever the opponents are going to be in that tough first round matchup. Uh, and of note, Mike uh, Mike Riley moved up to def- uh, the second line line of defense in place of. Campus Lindholm. He's a big physical guy, and Lindholm is too. And when they have both those guys in there, it's going to be a very formidable unit that they can ice, in addition to Grizzlick and company as well. So uh, things are boding well for the outlook for the Bruins with uh, the infirmary emptying in the next few days.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just uh, I, I, I misled you a little there, Paul Lindholm and Pasternak Sunday. Omar Saturday, so okay. Lindholm still looking at, at Sunday return there. Okay. Um For Carolina, uh, look, injuries are the name of the game, especially this time of the season. Yes, Barry Koch-Kinemi is back out um, with a lower body injury. He had missed those, you know, give or take. Uh, he had missed like eight games late March into the, the first half of April. He's now going to miss a second game tonight. Uh Again, a lower body injury for him, so that's certainly a concern that he is still back. They are expected to get Jordan Stahl back in the lineup. So that'll help with their center depth. Um, Obviously going in, uh, you know, in the past, you know, when Stahl was out too, they had Lorenz and Derek Stepan as like their three, four options for, for center. That's not ideal. Max Dome is actually going to fill in on that fourth line with Martin Nook and Lorenz at, at center potentially. So, they are trying to shuffle things up without Kotkanemi. Of course, this team still has their big, you know, their big guns Uh the, the Taravenen and Aho with Jarvis and then Sveshnikov and Trocek with Nekash. Um, so they have plenty of wiggle room to recover here. I think the bigger concern is Freddie Anderson being out uh, on, on the, um, on the goal line there, you know, anti-Ranta, for better or worse, has never really gotten a, a good shake, but a lot of that has been due to injuries. I mean, you look at the last couple of years, played 12 games last year in Arizona, 33 the year before that, 12 again the year before that. He had an injury plague season a while back when he was in Chicago, played just 14 games that year. So really, this is a guy that has struggled to stay healthy, and when you've got Freddie Anderson out, that's certainly not good news. Um, you know, in his limited chances with Carolina, 13-5-4, 2.46 is the goals against average. So the numbers are okay. I'm just not sure how long you want to trust Antti Ranta to carry carry the workload for you. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, with, with Freddie Anderson. Um, they've got, like I said, five games left. Winnipeg, the Devils, the Islanders, the Rangers, and then the Devils again. So a decent matchup, but the biggest one... Is going to be that class clash with the Rangers on Tuesday. Uh, Calgary Flames. you mentioned they're home and cooled out in their
0: division. They went two one and one last week, and uh, Jacob Markstrom righted himself. I'll say three appearances, two wins, and seven goals against for his record. Johnny Gaudreau was pointed out by uh, our colleague Pete Jensen of NHL.com when we appeared on the panel today for DraftKings. Johnny Gaudreau is is at the top of the list when it comes to five on five scoring. In the NHL this season, he had four goals and three helpers last week. Dylan Dubé providing some depth scoring, four goals against. That's going to be very important in the playoffs. Andrew Manjapani rediscovering his shooting eye with three goals and one helper as well. I love the way Matthew Tuchuk is playing. He's very much more focused, AJ, and not playing like like he has at times in the past. as a bit of a distraction. He's leading emotionally and with scoring as well with a, about seven points last week as well. And that uh, top line... Uh, has been on fire uh, most of the season here, AJ, and uh, they got a bit of a scare last night. Noah Hannifin stopped a shot uh, with his leg, I think, and uh, he is deemed healthy and ready to go, though. So the day-to-day tag that we had on him the today has vanished, and he's he's back in the fold. He's producing more offensively, in addition to blocking his share of shots, so he becomes a viable low-end DFS play as long as he's continuing with uh, both trends. In recent games, so that's something to consider when we do our DraftKings and FanDuel lineups later in the show. Perhaps Tyler Toffoli been a great addition here, chipped in with two more assists. Look at the bottom six here uh, up front. AJ they've got a, a trio on the third line that has chipped in offensively with Dubé and Coleman firing, uh, firing for keeps of late. And Kali Yarncrock was brought in to solidify that third line center role, so they've done that. And then the fourth line, boy, oh, boy, I'd hate to be caught on the ice with three three heavyweights like Trevor Lewis, Brent Ritchie, and Milan Lucic. I think I'd be running for the nearest exit if I was caught on the ice with those guys <laughs> running around. And so they they have things in place offensively to make an extended run. And I mentioned the healthy Noah Hannafin is central to their functionality on defense. He'll pair with Rasmus Anderson as a very strong two-way uh, group pairing and then Oliver Shillington is quieted down but still provides an offensive lift uh, on the back end partner with Chris Tanev so uh, all hands on deck it looks like and uh, they're ready and ready to go
1: well for Colorado uh, as you mentioned Paul they've, they've been in cruise control late now they haven't totally taken you know taken to resting a bunch of guys because they are tied with the Panthers right now for the president's trophy How much that means to them or the the potential home ice advantage in the the playoffs, we'll kind of see down the stretch here. Um, They got Edmonton tomorrow, Winnipeg on Sunday. There's a chance that things are a little more clear at that point, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with a player like Darcy Kemper. Um, You know, the biggest question mark, we we could go through lines right now and what it looks like right now, but Miko Rantanen missed last night's game due to illness. Gabriel Landeskog is not back yet, expected to return for the playoffs though. Same on the back end, Devin Taves didn't travel with the team. Um they're hoping to have him back soon. Eric Johnson, Ryan Murphy are also out, so it's really hard to know what exactly they're going to do here. They had been kind of splitting up those big 3 of Landeskog, McKinnon and Rantanen, but with how long Landeskog has been out, you might, you know, expect they'll put all three guys back together. Um, if they can before the the playoffs to get them kind of gelling again, so um, it 's going to be interesting to see how each of these guys kind of gets integrated back into the lineup here. Um, but at the end of the day, as long as Darcy Kemper can keep things close, this offense should continue to roll. They got Nazim kadri back just the just the other night um, uh, last night rather he picked up an assist four shots on the on goal in that one, so really good First game back for him, given how long he had been out, a, a, an eight-game stint on the sidelines. So Colorado, one step forward, one step back on the injury front. Um, but those those line combinations are going to be interesting to see when they hit the playoffs.
0: Well, and the same thing applies for Dallas, if they should make it, AJ. They're still tinkering with their offense beyond that first line. They've split up Sagan and Ben again, each of them expected to drive a scoring, uh, scoring line from the centre position, Sagan on the line two, and Ben on the third unit. But uh, they've been blasted a couple of times on a Canadian road swing of late, and it, it, the, the task doesn't get any easier tonight with they're tough out against Calgary. So uh, after that, though, the, the stars can look ahead to the fact that they'll finish with three pretty easy games on the slate, you would think, when you consider they're uh, against Seattle, uh, Arizona, and Anaheim in three of those games and then they got a tough one maybe against Vegas. So there's three wins out there for the taking uh, after the tough out tonight, I'll say. And so Dallas really has to make hay over those three outings and they have to really put a lid on, on the defensive struggles that we've seen over the last couple of games. Otherwise it's all over for them. Despite the scoring efforts of hints, Robertson and Pavelski, they're the guys that have been carrying the mail and they really have to look at Sagan and Ben to, ramp things up and, and deliver when the stakes are the highest right
1: now. Uh, for uh, for Edmonton here, I think at points during the season, we kind of thought, okay, goalie split, not really sure. Okay, now it looks like Koskinen's maybe stepped forward and he's the number one guy. But now of late, it's definitely Mike Smith. Uh, he's started seven of their last nine games. And those are all victories, a seven-game win streak for him, a pair of shutouts during that stretch as well. 1.57 is the goals against average there. So Mike Smith should see, uh, you know, the, the game one start when we get to the playoffs. Again, I you know, technically not in for sure, but it's, it's pretty much close as barring a complete collapse here at the end. So uh, I would just keep an eye on, you know, what um, – you know what happens with with that pairing, but I think for the most part we've gotten to a point where Smith has kind of taken the reins in this last month here. Everything else is pretty stable for this club. There's not a lot of injuries to talk about. Uh, Evander Kane and Connor McDavid are are locks on that first line. Looks like Jesse Pugliarvi will likely stay there as well. But if they need to in a game, if they need a goal, they know they can move Sidle up to that line as well. Right now they have him with Yamamoto and Zach Hyman uh, and then Ryan Nugent Hopkins holding down that third line. And, and I like him there with kind of the option. Again, they could move Nugent Hopkins up to dry line if they needed to generate some more offense. So um, they they've got a, you know, a really solid group, really healthy uh, and they're getting good goaltending out of Mike Smith right now. So all signs point to a potential deep playoff run here for Connor McDavid and, and Leon dry um and and it'll 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 probably be a first round matchup with uh with Los Angeles but uh if not it could always end up being Vegas I think that would be a fun matchup as well If we if we don't necessarily get Vegas and in, in Colorado I would also take Vegas and Edmonton in the first round and uh, Florida's looking at a first round matchup against one of the wild card
0: teams that's uh it's going to be likely Boston, Tampa, or Washington. It looks like at this point, well, it could be any number of teams, even Pittsburgh could be in the mix. So Florida really doesn't know who they're going to be playing, but they do know that they're running away with their division and possibly the president's trophy if they're interested in battling Colorado for that. But really the incentive for them is to get ready for a playoff run. They haven't had a lot of success here in the playoffs as a franchise. So that really has to be the focus I would think. And, uh, They have some injury concerns up front. Ryan Lomberg listed day-to-day, and Carter Verhege out with an undisclosed injury. But uh, that's allowed them to juggle the lines, and they're going to go with Barkov and Huberto on the same unit. They haven't played on the same line for much of the season, but they have appeared on the top power play together all year long. And you have to think that uh, when they're facing Detroit like they are tonight, those two guys might be already at the rink saying, can we drop the puck now? We're just so anxious to get on with our points tonight so that's what's in store there and the the good value for tonight's play might be the guy that's playing on the right wing for them and Sam Reinhardt uh, could be a very good dfs value play along with those two prolific offensive pieces and you look ahead at the remaining schedule for for Florida they've got games against their uh, division rivals in Toronto, Tampa and Boston after tonight and then they wind up with two relatively soft ones still in their division against Ottawa and Montreal and i wonder if they will pull the plug on the season and maybe rest a couple of, of their players. If, uh, if they do want to do that, they certainly have an option against two lesser lights. I do don't think they want to do it against the Leafs, Temp, or Boston. I think there's an element of message sending that you want, you want teams not to feel good about a potential matchup. And there's a last chance to deliver some, some uh, news to each of those two, three teams in, in upcoming matchups for, for the Florida
1: Panthers. Well, if you want to talk matchups, the l a Kings probably have the easiest final stretch here um, with they've got Chicago tonight, Anaheim on Saturday, and then next week they have a back to back on Wednesday and Thursday against Seattle and Vancouver. Um so everything sets up well for them to kind of control their own fate here into the postseason. They've got easy, easy matchups, uh, relatively easy matchups. nothing's guaranteed in the NHL. I think what's interesting for them of late, uh, again, is to go back to the goaltending tandem and how that's playing out right now. We've seen Jonathan Quick uh, start uh, three of uh, the last four games here. Uh, and, and actually, you know, the, the two outings that we've seen Cal Pedersen in lately have been downright disasters. He's given up six goals in each of his last two games. Now, they have been against Minnesota and Colorado, which have been phenomenal defenses or offenses rather uh, throughout the season. He's on a three-game losing streak, and that also includes a game against Calgary. So they haven't used Pedersen in the easy games, um, but Jonathan Quick certainly is outplaying him at this point. So it'll be interesting to see again who would get the start. Offensively, you know, over the last month here, Philip Deneau really stepping things up. Four goals, four assists in in his uh, eight April games. Adrian Kempe with six goals over that stretch as well. Um, so, you know, they're, they're healthy for the most part, they're getting offensive production uh, from, you know, some of their, their top guys here. And so I, I think uh, they probably have the best chance and, and the fact that they have, you know, kind of depth guys that they can throw in here, like a Quinton Byfield could come in for a game. That would be uh, a decent upgrade if they, if they needed him. Uh, at certain positions, very offensive-minded player. Defensively, you know, if they want some more speed, they've got a number of guys that could slot in for, like, Olimata Mata here. Uh, so I, I like the makeup of this Kings team uh, as they head into the postseason. I think they're playing really well right now. And uh, when it comes to Minnesota, we've talked about the fact that they shored up their goaltending situation with the
0: acquisition of Marc-Andre Fleury alongside Cam Talbot. They have probably the best one-two punch in that, in the entire NHL, we already know that they have a very stout defense and uh, that combination has really limited things and allowed them to be undefeated in regulation in their last six starts. But there has to be a bit of a concern when you look at the depth forward positions here. Three guys that uh, figure to be part of the mix, two of them big on physicality, and Marcus fellino he's out with COVID issues. Jordan Greenway is out with upper body and Tyson Yost also Uh, A late-season acquisition is uh, dealing with an upper body or undisclosed injury at the moment. But uh, the first line has been really humming here, one of the hottest units in hockey. Uh, Ryan Hartman centering Karel Kaprasov and Matt Zuccarello. Uh, It's tough to stack these guys because now uh, DFS uh, places to play, FanDuel and DraftKings both value these people highly and justifiably so based on the fact that they're they're putting up impressive mathematics over the last month or so, and I figure that that will continue. In terms of the remaining schedule for Minnesota, there's some tough, toughies on the schedule. They finish with a, a pair with Calgary and Colorado, though the stakes won't be high. You would think at that point, uh, they've got a couple of softies in between with Arizona and Seattle, where if you're playing DFS, that's a place where you might consider stacking the aforementioned trio. And uh, hoping that, that the cavalry that is injured gets healthy in time for the playoffs is, I guess, the other minor concern at the moment. No, none of these injuries appear ser- serious enough to be long-term concerns when the playoffs start.
1: Well, if the Kings have the easiest schedule going into the end of the season here, I think Nashville might have the toughest. Uh, starting with Saturday, they're going to play five games in seven days to cl- close out the season. Starts with a back-to-back against the Lightning and the Minnesota. And Minnesota. Then they'll get uh, a, game, a day between Calgary and then a day before their other back-to-back, which is Colorado in the first game and then Arizona in the second. So four games against playoff teams over that seven-game stretch. Um, so it's going to be a difficult one for them. Their top line has been absolutely rolling throughout the month of uh, April here. All three guys, Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, averaging a point per game over that stretch. Roman Yossi continues to just pile up points. He had eight points in those 10 games as well. If there's a concern about this team, it's that the production drastically drops off after those four guys. When you've got Johansson, Duchesne, and Forsberg at 10, the next player is Mikael Grandlin at five points in those 10 games. So they are very dependent right now on that top line producing for them. They don't have a ton of extra depth due to some minor um, injuries, so that is a factor. And obviously, as we've seen throughout much of the season, we are going to continue to see a heavy, heavy dose of UC Saros here um, because they have not locked this up. They're sitting in the first playoff spot. They're not going to catch St. Louis for all intents and purposes, so they do have to continue to stave off Dallas, Vegas, and Vancouver. Um, They have two points ahead of Dallas for the first wild card spot. They'll need to continue to, you know, ride UC Saros, who leads the league in wins, but also leads the league in games played at 65. Um, And you're talking at least one of the back-to-backs, you know, at least probably three more games for him. So you're talking 68 games here. That's a heavy workload for a guy – especially right before you head into the playoffs. And, uh, boy, is anybody sco- going to score on the Rangers again, AJ? They're coming off three straight
0: shutouts. Uh, I can't remember the last time a team had, had three straight shutouts in the league, but uh, Shusterkin registered two of them and all but salted away, I think, the Vezina Trophy in the process, partner. I think it's a, a done deal for him. And uh, Chris Kreider picked up a couple of assists and didn't score. I think he's trying to write. Uh, uh, a new script for himself in terms of that Cy Young goals and assist line that he sports, but he's got to be thrilled that he reached the 50 goal plateau and uh, first Ranger to do that in a long time as well. That top line in New York, another one that bears watching, and uh, and I see that Frank Vitrano has moved up on the right wing on that top unit AJ, and alongside Sabanjan and Kreider, he should be a very cheap addition to your DFS lineup in a very good spot. So some real good DFS value there. Andrew Copp has fit in like a glove on the second unit alongside Panarin and Strom. They give you a little bit of everything with size, speed and uh, one of the league's game breakers in Panarin in that unit. So the top six, very formidable. Alex, Le- Alex Lafreniere has been moved up and down the lineup. He's right now settled in on a third line role, but he's scoring at a better rate than he has for much of the season with a couple of goals adding to his totals last week. Barkley a uh, big dollar addition in the offseason, shoring up that third unit. Philip Heedle uh, is their third-line center, finally settled into his more most appropriate role, I think. Maybe it's a luxury even for a guy that has his skill set to be that deep in the roster, but uh, it bodes well for the Rangers going forward. Adam Fox has back points in back-to-back games for the first time in a while. He's still one of the league's uh, top defensemen in terms of scoring, so keep an eye on his totals the rest of the way. I think he's on the fringe of the discussion for the uh, Norris Trophy, but I don't think he's going to do enough to uh, double down on on the fact that he won last year. I think it's up for grabs elsewhere, but still great totals on his offensive ledger and uh, strong play in his own end, still one of the league's premier defensemen in front of Shisterkin and Georgiev. AJ, that brings us to a break in our show. It comes a little early because we're flying through this, But we're going to come back and talk about your favorite club when we return. We'll take a break now and look at some of the key injury news and DFS plays ahead of tonight's schedule on Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back right after these messages. Okay, we're back, and uh, we want to remind you how to get in touch with us over the remaining few games of the schedule. We're going to be dispensing a lot of advice in upcoming uh, shows about the playoffs, and uh, I know your pools are getting ready for the postseason run and maybe your drafting strategies and so on. If you have any questions about that sort of thing, AJ's going to tell you right now how you can get back in touch with us and share your thoughts or concerns in that space.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We always welcome comments, questions, arguments, whatever you want to to bring us. We welcome you to send that to us over on Twitter. You can follow me at AJScholes24, and you can follow Paul at Statsman22. And just a reminder, when we do get our our postseason kind of preview show, timing on that still depends just on these matchups being settled and that sort of thing. But when we get there, We're going to start bringing these shows to you live and in color uh, on Facebook and Twitter. So look out for that. We'll be sure to share that information with all of you, Um, but you'll be able to watch us and see our pretty faces. There'll be no going back, so we can't stop and edit any slip-ups that might uh, crop up. So you'll hear me pronounce even more names incorrectly, um, and, and we'll go from there. You might even hear my phone ring if I don't remember to shut it off too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll take us into the the Penguins here. Um, and look, there's no way around it. It's been a terrible April for Pittsburgh. Uh, two losses to Colorado, loss to the Islanders, the Rangers, Washington, Boston—like the who's who of good teams. They've they've lost to now. They did pick up a win against Nashville. That's a that's a good one. Uh, a win against the Islanders, nah, whatever you should beat the Islanders at this point. So really um, a lot of concern about recent performance. Evgeny Malkin has been out the last three games. He'll miss one more with that just justifiably earned suspension. They don't have Tristan Jari right now. Uh, he's dealing with reportedly a broken foot, which doesn't have me feeling real confident. He's going to be back for the start of the post season here, which means Casey DeSmith is probably uh, going to be the guy for them. They do have Louis Domingue as, as the backup. I'm not sure I feel great about that either. Um, so they're, they're going to need to probably offensively carry the load here heading into the playoffs. Um, we'll get, you know, some good looks at Jari down the stretch here with matchups against Boston, a back-to-back against Detroit and Philadelphia, and then Edmonton and rounding it out with Columbus uh, in the last game of the year. So should see plenty of Casey DeSmith over that stretch. And that'll give Penguins fans uh, a good idea of what to expect out of that. Otherwise the return of Malkin is the biggest piece, you know, for the rest of the lineup that they're looking at. He'll jump in immediately in between Zucker and right now, Brian Russ, Jeff Carter has been playing with Russ and Zucker with Ricard Raquel up on the Crosby Gensel line. I don't mind um, breaking that up that way. Carter would probably then play with Danton Heinen and Brock McGinn. That's a, a pretty decent line. Leaves you with Teddy Bluger, Casper Kapanen and Evan Rodriguez as, as, as the fourth group. So the, they look good there. Mike Matheson has been playing really well this season um, and, and has had some good uh, production for them as well. So they've got at least somebody other than Chris Letang to rely on, on the blue line there. So I, I feel okay once we get Malcolm back, but uh, like I said, April's been a nightmare, um, and you can't blame it all on Jari being out, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that confident that they're going to go very far in the postseason this year, which is disappointing because if you asked me you know, back in like, early to mid-March, I would have told you I was feeling really good about where this team could go.
0: Well, lucky for you, the serious shooting doesn't start for another ten days, and maybe some uh, of the questions you've raised will be answered. Certainly, the concern in net will probably be there at the opening of the postseason, but uh, you'll have to hope for a favorable matchup that might be might allow your club to hide that issue. But otherwise, Casey Smith's there's no
1: hiding in the playoffs, Paul.
0: <laughs> I know Casey the Smith's really going to have to come up large. I'm just praying for a Pittsburgh-Toronto matchup at some point. I think it'd be awesome. But uh, AJ, uh, the St. Louis Blues are a team that is uh, kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of uh, struggles and not struggling. This team is 9-0-1 in their last 10 games played. And uh, apart from the offensive mathematics of the likes of uh, Tarasenko with five goals, six assists, Buknevich, three goals, six assists, Braden Shen, three and two, Saad, two goals, and on and on it goes. Maybe the best news of all is that, uh, their veteran goalie is finding his game of late a little bit. In his last three starts, Jordan Binnington has allowed a total of six goals against, and his save percentage is upwards of 94%. So he's p- found the best time of the year to get uh, rediscover his form a little bit. But that's not to say that he's got lights out and and the clear choice over Billy Huso. He, he's been their star, maybe their MVP, in terms of salvaging this season and putting them in a position to be uh, such a formidable out. Uh, when the postseason starts. So decision looms for for St. Louis in terms of which goalie to start. Uh, I think if you're looking at who has performed better this season, there's no question that has been the guy. But uh, in uh, in his stall, Jordan Bennington probably has a Stanley Cup ring uh, staring at him whenever he wants. So <laughs> a tough call there. But I, I love the depth of this team, AJ. Uh, top to bottom, third, look at the three centers. Robert Thomas has put up video game numbers of, of, in the last month and taken over the first line center role and worked very, very well with Tarasenko. And Buknevich is the lesser known uh, of the three guys and DFS value on that line. But the second line features just as much offense when you consider one of the best playmaking centers, Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron on the right side, a game breaker, and Brendan Sod, a physical guy, a good corner man. And then the third line, you got Brayden Shen, uh, Jordan Cairo, and Ivan Barbershev. all three of them have played top six minutes for this team as well. So three formidable forward lines, maybe the best nine-man unit uh, among men, most of the teams in the NHL. They're comparable with any club, I'll say, in the entire National Hockey League in that regard. And so it remains to be seen what they get out of their blue line. There are some veterans. The mix there is very in, in, enticing when you consider Tory Krug, Justin Falk, Colin Pareko. And even Nick Letty, uh, some experience. And uh, they got eight guys with NHL experience uh, in the depth chart. And that's what you need for a long run. It's a war of attrition. We've talked about it many, many times. And I always look for a defensive core that has eight players you can choose from. So St. Louis has checked all the boxes for me right now.
1: Well, for Tampa Bay, you know, they they have been struggling a little bit over the last month. for. Four and two in their last ten games, and and look when you think about those Islanders of the early eighties, like I think what impresses you most, in which something you don't think about is not that they maintained the success year in year out during the regular season, but let's think about how many extra games those teams have to play going that deep in the postseason every year. I felt this way. Um, back in you know 2018, when the Penguins had were coming off their two back-to-back championships, they just looked tired when they got to this time of the year. And I'm seeing similar things with the Tampa Bay Lightning here. I just think they're they're gassed, and there's some evidence in that in the fact that in their last five games, we've seen Brian Elliott playing three of them, including one relief appearance. Uh, normally, Vasilevsky is and every, you know, not exactly, but almost like an every night guy playing a ton. And the fact that they've been using more Brian Elliott says that this team is is tired. They've, they've played way more games over the last, you know, two, three years, whatever you want to call it, um, because of these deep postseason runs. Now, that's not to say I would rule this team out from being able to pull this off. Um, they've got a tough end to the season. They've got Toronto tonight, Nashville and Florida in a back to back and then Columbus, and then another game with Columbus that's followed in a back to back by the Islanders. So their last three are okay and maybe we'll see some resting in there depending on if they can shore up that that uh, you know at least that third spot because I don't think you want to drop into four and potentially have to play, as I said, the winner, of the metropolitan division. I think you'd rather face Toronto at this point. So um, they're they're going to have to dig deep here. Maybe can get some games off here towards the end of the season, but uh, that's at least what I'm seeing is this team is starting to look a little fatigued um, just because of all those extra games. And, and for the lightning fans out there, hopefully they can find an, another gear and, and get back on it here at the, at the end.
0: Listen to you, Slag, the Maple Leafs. They stand third in the overall standings right now, AJ. That's a high watermark for, for me as a fan of this club. They've already set club records for wins and total points, and you're making it sound like they're, they're the, pe- the team that people want to
1: face in the first round. This team is 13. 13- I mean, tell me I'm wrong, Paul. I'd rather, I'd rather face Toronto than the Rangers or the Hurricanes.
0: They're 13-1-1 in their last 15 games, finding the right time of the season to get hot. And uh, they will probably have four players in the lineup that are over 80 points on the regular season. And they also have the addition of Mark Giordano that's worked out very, very well for them. He's got 10 points and a plus nine rating in the 15 games that he's played for this club. And the defensive structure of this team has never looked better to to these eyes uh, over the last few seasons with this team. So uh, just like I said with St. Louis, to me, they have all the pieces coming together. And uh, the most important of all is the fact that Jack Campbell is, found his game and has put up a couple of very nice starts, very impressive starts most recently. So he looks like he's, he's getting ready for the postseason. We won't see him tonight in the Nets against Tampa. Uh, Eric Jalgren will get the assignment. He's been serviceable in terms of the backup role. Uh, when it looked like you wondered who was going to help Campbell out, he's been decent. Uh, And maybe even better than that, uh, with the one loss record and save percentage in order uh, to shore up things in the Nets, it could have been a disaster if they needed to have Campbell work every game. So uh, shout out to Eric Sheldren for being a key uh, revelation, I'll say, late in the season here. But uh, all things looking good, except for we're wondering when we're going to see Austin Matthews next. He's not playing tonight, but by all accounts, very, very close to returning. Again, one of those situations where an undisclosed injury Tag follows his name. And uh, I can't wait for the day when teams are forced to tell us the straight goods on, on what's happening here. But the Leafs look le- as ready as any team to get going there. They're very motivated, very business-like in their approach. And I'm pretty excited about what might happen for this club down the stretch.
1: Well, Vancouver is our longest of long shots here, I think, to make the playoffs. they are four games back from Dallas for the final playoff spot. Um, they are five uh, yeah, five points back from L.A. if they wanted to compete in the p- uh, Pacific Division here. And the schedule at the end here, five games left. Four of them are playoff teams in Minnesota, Calgary, L.A., and Edmonton. So um, it's it's not looking great for their chances. Uh, I think we were probably going to see Thatcher Demko play all these games anyway. I mean, you talk about the fact he appeared in every single game from the start of February through March 20th, a 19-game stretch where he played every single night. And I would expect, you know, he's already played their last, let's take a look here, their last five. Um, Don't be surprised if they're in contention to see him take both ends of that back-to-back to to end the year, if they've got any hope to do that. Part of that is uh, due to the fact that Yaroslav Halak is now dealing with a hand injury. So I don't think they're going to throw Spencer Martin uh, to the wolves here. This guy has six games of NHL experience. That's not a guy you use when the playoffs hang in the balance. So if they head into that Edmonton game, uh, you know, that, that last game of the year and have a chance at a playoff spot, I, I would bet pretty much anything that Demko will start both ends of that back-to-back there. So something to keep an eye on there, especially, you know, if, If your season-long league is is still running and you need and you have Demko and you're wondering whether to start him or not, the fact is he's going to play a lot of games down the stretch here and it might be worth it. So something to consider there. The rest of the lineup is looking pretty good. They're going to get Alex Chase on back from injury. He has turned his game to a completely like different level of late. He's got nine points in his last five games, which is impressive when you consider the fact that in the 57 prior contest he had just 12 points so am am i suggesting that if you're in a playoff pool you want to pick alex chase on over some other guys maybe not i I would expect that production will tail off a little bit um but certainly he's going to get first line assignment with jt miller tonight so a good spot for him to be in maybe a dfs play uh is possible there as well although do you want to use him against cam talbot for minnesota who's coming off a shutout not sure it's the best matchup AJ, I mentioned Eric Shalgren's importance to the down the stretch, but that pales in
0: comparison to what happened in Vegas. Logan Thompson was thrust into a, uh, the limelight when they needed help, and the Nets they didn't have any other option, and he has delivered, and then some uh, in his first year on the job here. His goals against is well under three per game, safe percentage over 90%, well over 90%, delivering the goods, and then some at a time when Vegas was really decimated by injury only makes those numbers even more impressive. Now that they have the prospect of uh, a healthier lineup, things should be easier easier on him, but they don't have much wiggle room as we touched on in the opening. They have to basically almost run the table to assure themselves of that playoff finish. And boy, it's got a couple of tasty matchups. I'll say when you consider that sandwich between the games with San Jose and Chicago, which should be wins, they've got a very key one in Dallas on the 26th. And then another one against St. Louis at the end of the regular schedule. You wonder if St. Louis might take that night off a little bit and rest some of their regulars. Vegas has to hope so that'll make their case a little bit easier. But uh, like you said, that that game uh, in Dallas could be a real key one for both clubs. And uh, it's must watch TV, I do think. And uh, speaking of the guys, all healthy and and all hands on deck. I can't wait to see what that first line looks like when they get a few reps. Jack Eichel finally going to get to play with Mark Stone. They put Max Pacioretty on a second unit. And uh, uh, for my money, one of the season MVPs Chandler Stevenson centering that, that pairing. And then when you talk about trades that the best, some of the best trades are the ones you don't make. Well, they weren't allowed to make the one that would have sent it getting Dadanoff away. And it's a good thing because he's been one of their key scorers and offensive pieces locked in at the second line right wing position right now, and certainly been a key to rescue, helping them rescue their season or the hopes that they have, at least at this point, the third line is chipping in with some offense too. And that's always good news. So we'll give them a bit of a shout out. William Carlson centering Matthias Janmark and Michael Amadio in that grouping. And then, uh, Nicholas Roy has also chipped in some offense in the past week as well. So depth scoring central to their cause as well. But I'm anxious to see what the first pair, couple of lines do going forward. Shea Theodore has been a stud on the blue line here. Alex Petrangelo anchoring a second pairing and Alec Martinez back and healthy. This is the team that people wanted to see in Vegas all year long. We're finally getting a look at it now. The only concern they have and in terms of their depth chart, is Riley Smith. He's going to be expected back at some point in the postseason. He's dealing with a knee injury, but apart from him, they're all set to finally ice their uh, best club. Well,
1: in Washington, you know, we'll talk about Ovechkin here for a minute. He tied Gretzky and and Bossy for a ninth 50-goal season. Pretty impressive uh, run there. Uh, look, you know, I think for for somebody maybe my age who didn't uh, wouldn't necessarily know who Mike Bossy is, I think it's worth kind of looking at at his numbers. When you consider the fact, you know, I just said he had nine fifty goal seasons. Well, he only played ten NHL seasons, so it was only his last year in the league that he missed that mark. Um, so, pretty impressive career. You you imagine if he you know had been able to play longer um, that that maybe he would have had uh, even more goals would be further up the, the, you know, the career goal list, unfortunately because his career was shorter than a lot of his contemporaries. He's sitting 22nd on the overall goal list, but uh, pretty impressive work there um, by Mike Bossy and, and worth giving him an extra shout out, um, especially considering he just passed away this past, you know, like about a week ago. Um, so you know, really um, interesting fact there that you know nine fifty goal seasons tied with Ovechkin and Gretzky, um, but only played uh, ten ten years in the league. So uh, as far as the rest of Washington goes, uh, again they're they're secure in getting a playoff spot. They've been tinkering with their lines a lot lately. That's one thing that I've noticed. Uh, TJ Oshie's been on the top line with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. Tom Wilson is there right now. Uh, Connor Shiri. Kuznetsov is playing with Ovechkin instead of it being Backstrom. That's another group that tends to to mesh together. So that's kind of been shuffling around. And then the other shuffling has been the goaltending situation here. Um it looks like of late we've been getting a little bit more Samsonov, but we've had Vanisek kind of the number one earlier in the year. And um, if you ask me now, and I was going to put some money on it, who is going to be the game on starter? I would say Samsonov, but not with a lot of confidence. It's certainly possible that we could see Vanisek, um get some more looks. And a lot of that will depend, I think, on how they play these next couple of games. They've got – Uh, three relatively easy matchups when you consider, uh, you know, playoff caliber teams, they've got Arizona, the Islanders twice. They do have one against Toronto on Sunday and then end the year with the Rangers. So um, a lot of interesting kind of lineup things for them to figure out as they move down the stretch um, and to kind of decide that going into game one. AJ, I'm so glad you mentioned Mike Bossy the way
0: that you did because I had the opportunity to watch his career and even have a neat story before it started he was such a gifted scorer as you implied with the fi- consecutive 50 goal season several of them over 60 goals when we were they were in a league where toughness and physicality ruled and uh, maybe the quality of goaltending left a little bit to be desired but there's no taking away from him in terms of the fact that for my money one of the elite scorers in hockey history maybe the one of the best three or four that I've ever seen uh, take shots at the net if you in fact if you had a shot needed a shot to save your life he might be in the top two of players that i would like taking that shot for me and uh, that's how good he was and he had a great line mate in brian trache that formed they formed a real nice one two punch and they were supported by maybe the league's heavyweight champion and clark gillies who also passed away not so long ago. So two-thirds of that line has left this good world, and and uh, Brian trace has left to extol their virtues, and he does so eloquently, eloquently as he did with Mike Bossie's recent passing. So thanks for mentioning that, and a tip of the hat from this corner to uh, Mike Bossie in his memory. AJ, we will now turn our attention to DFS action tonight, and uh, it's up to you to tell us what you think you've got. Put together an 11 game slate for the DraftKings roster. So go right ahead.
1: All right, so I'm going to start off. uh, Look, it's hard to avoid this Florida game. Uh, I I do think there's a possibility that this could be a trap game for the Panthers when you consider uh, who they've got upcoming on the schedule. They've got some really a really tough back to back coming up here. Um, So you know they'll they'll face Toronto and Tampa Bay on Saturday and Sunday. So this game against Detroit tonight, while they are heavy favorites and, and rightly so, there is some concern it could be a trap game. All that to say, I'm still going to go with a Florida stack tonight. I think it's worth the potential risk there. Um, but you certainly can make an argument for fading these guys if you have concerns about that. And I'll start with Alexander Barkov, 8,300. Not cheap, obviously, to pay up. Um, but I think definitely worth the price tag tonight. And I'll just go into it. I'll go that entire first line, Jonathan Huberto, 7,900 as one of my wingers. Sam Reinhardt, 5,500 as the other ringer. Carter Verhege is going to be out of the lineup tonight. So that's why Reinhardt is playing in that spot. That's a lot of money to spend. Um, so I do end up punting a little bit at my other center position um, but still playing a decent matchup. I'm going to go with Kelly Yarncroft, 2,800, super cheap, third line center for the Flames. The Flames have a really decent uh, offense all year long. Obviously, Yarncroft has not produced at, at high levels. He's pointless in his last five games, goalless in his last 15. So this is by far not a guaranteed play but it allows me to spend up and, and play a little bit of a matchup. So an admitted punt at center here. Uh, I would encourage anybody to maybe find your own punt if you want to play the rest of this lineup. But Kelly Yarncock was the best option um, for me here. My I mentioned Huberto and Reinhardt as two of my wingers. My other one is going to be Ricard Raquel. 4,600 is the price tag. He's coming in at less than 5K because he hasn't really scored of late. Um, I would prefer to use him when... Malkin's in the lineup, even though Raquel's going to be on the first line with Crosby and Gensler, I still think I'd I'd rather use him when Malkin's in the lineup. But still, less than five K for a guy that has five assists uh, during this current eight-game goal drought, and the shot total has been there. I think that's the most important thing: fifteen shots in those eight games, including uh, three or more in each of his last five. So he's putting pucks on net. He's on the number one power play with. Um, with, you know, uh, milking out of the lineup right now that won't hold. Um, but I think he's worth a shot tonight. My utility spot, I'm going to go with another, um, another winger here. And look, there aren't a lot of times when you want to look at Montreal. Um, but I think a matchup with Philadelphia is one of those spots you can be in Brendan Gallagher, uh, comes in stuck again, five game pointless streak. That's why he's just 3,200 bucks but he was pretty vocal the other day in, you know, them needing to get some goals to back up Carey price and give Carey price a chance to win over this, you know, five game pointless streak. There's been 14 shots on goal by him. So I expect him to continue shooting. And I think a matchup with the flyers could be what helps him break out of this slump. So I like him at 3,200 here defensively. Uh, Justin Falk at 5,300 is my preferred option here. Second most points in the league during among defensemen during the month of April. Um, a little bit slow of late, just two assists in his last five games, um, but 12 shots over that stretch, four blocks, uh, and a really good matchup for St. Louis tonight. They're facing San Jose, so good spot to capitalize on them. I mentioned Mike Matheson's numbers being pretty good. When you consider he comes in, at just 3,700. I think he's worth taking here. Again, another player. I'm I'm playing all cold players tonight. So <laughs> apparently uh, this is definitely a GPP lineup. It's, it's not a cash game. There's no certainty in this. It could finish at the top of a contest or at the bottom. Uh, malthusen one assist in his last six games, but again, 14 shots over that stretch, six blocks over there, so a decent amount of floor for that low price tag. And, and that's really the price you have to pay if you're going to stack up on that Florida team. And I do it again in the nets using Sergey Bobrovsky tonight, 8,700. Detroit has struggled with offense, even with Dylan Larkin in the lineup. They won't have him tonight. Um, so this is a boomer bus bust lineup. I'll be perfectly honest about that. Like I said, it could finish at the top if, if these guys break out of slumps in good opportunities that they're in to do so. Um, But it could also finish dead last, so um, it's go you know win big or go home tonight for me on on the DraftKings segment here.
0: All right, partner, I'm going to give our listeners a different look because I'm not touching that Florida Detroit game. I think like you do that it might be a trap. And uh, just to give our listeners a a different flavor, I went elsewhere. I'm looking at uh, a a bit of a mix, but favoring teams like Carolina, Calgary, and LA when I composed my roster this evening a couple of surprises thrown in. I'll begin with Sebastian Ajo uh, against Carolina. I mean, against Winnipeg. Winnipeg Jets just uh, eliminated from the postseason competition. I think they're going to be a little bit down and out emotionally. And I think a potent offense that really thrives at home will take them uh, to the woodshed tonight. And uh, that means Sebastian Ajo at $7,900 becomes an attractive piece for me. You mentioned, and we both talked about, Philip Deneau and his success We talked about him today and and now while recording our show. And I I think he's had an outstanding season, career best in goals. He's up there around 25, 26 goals on the year and uh, locked down that center ice position in the second line, giving them a great one-two punch that we've touched on all season long. They get a nice matchup against Chicago tonight, and uh, Dano comes in at $5,600. So that's my pivots uh, to start the lineup. I, I spoke of... The fact that I like the way uh, Matthew Tuchuk has been focused uh, this the last month of the month or two that it's been driving this team to success. He emerges clearly their emotional uh, team leader here. Eighty four hundred dollars the price tag for a guy who is one of the most prolific scoring wingers. He's averaging almost 18 FanDuel points a night. And so I think he pads those totals even though he gets a uh, desperate Dallas team as the opponent. And I go back to L.A. for that second line again. Trevor Moore has had a very nice breakout campaign, priced at $5,100. I think he takes advantage of the matchup against the visiting Chicago team that has nothing to play for, and I think uh, L.A. wins this one going away with that second line factoring in offensively. I round out my offense with a couple of guys that should be in favorable spots. Toivo Tarvainen on the wing with Ajo on that top unit. I think it's points night in store for the – Carolina club, and Terra Vinen comes in at $6,000. Braden Shen, I spoke about the depth of the St. Louis club. Shen factors in also on their special teams. I think they're going to route San Jose. He's to be a part of that. You can easily make a case for a St. Louis stack, I, I suppose, if you wish. But Shen comes in at $5,700 to round out my offense. I spent a little bit more than I normally would on defense, AJ, because two guys – that are really putting up some good numbers of late. One I spoke of in Toronto, Mark Giordano, five thousand one hundred dollars the price tag. He's been a revelation, uh, turning back the clock and really feeling proud to wear the blue and white, the team that he cheered as a kid. And so he's he's probably found money for this club going forward, as he is on um, the last year of a, uh, his big money contract. And there are rumblings that he might just take a league minimum or close to it next year to come back for. Uh, what might be uh, a last full season with uh, the Maple Leafs. And I would love to see that based on what I've seen out of him. So he's on the second power play unit, and I think they'll get some work tonight. I think there's gonna be a, it's going to be a physical contest leading to a lot of special teams play. And speaking of special teams play, that's where Mark Grizzlick shines for, for Boston of late. He's been putting up some offensive totals. And uh, in, in light of the fact that Hampus Lindholm is not in the mix, he's getting more reps there. And against the Pittsburgh team that is putting in their second string goalie, it could be a a tough night for the home side tonight as Boston has lots to play for and uh, they usually take advantage of circumstances like this and will prey upon uh, a weekend Pittsburgh club that's going to be missing Malkin and Jari in the Nets. And uh, so I plugged him in for $4,300 to round up my my defense. And then in the Nets, Carey Price is wondering is is he going to get any kind of run support before the season runs out? He's played two games. And the Canadians have scored exactly zero goals for him in both uh, in total in those contests. I think if he's got to win a game tonight's the last chance to do it. I think uh, he might shut it down. If he gets another zero on the home side scoreboard, he might just walk away uh, like Charlie Brown take his football at home uh, for keeps uh, $6,900, the price tag. You won't see that on Kerry price ever again. If you ever saw it before, I think Montreal takes advantage of that. And, uh, and gives their uh, stalwart uh, the first victory. That would be a really nice story and nice way for Price to at least go off into the summer saying some good good news uh, in uh, in this storyline. AJ, that brings us to the end of of this episode. We've got one more to go in all likelihood before the postseason starts, and that's where I want to stop things for a second and discuss with you. We're going to maybe – deviate from our schedule of regular uh, pods on Thursdays, depending on when we have a final realization of the playoff pairings. So in anticipation of that, we don't yet know when our next broadcast will be, but we will be tweeting out in anticipation of that. As soon as all the playoff spots are clinched and the playoff pairings are set to bring you our playoff preview episode, where we'll discuss playoff pool strategies and break down the, the matchups at each position. I'm really looking forward to it. It's one of our signature pods every year that we do on this show and uh, can't wait for it, pal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, a reminder to look out for that at AJScholes24 at Statsman22. We'll get that out there. And if you're exclusively a DraftKings player, you can easily fit Paul's lineup in. His FanDuel lineup will fit into a DraftKings contest as well and leave you $1,400 on the board. I thought that was kind of interesting the price differential um, between the two squads. Uh, Paul, I believe your FanDuel lineup doesn't leave you any additional cash, uh, but you have plenty to tinker or tweak if there's anything about Paul's lineup that you don't like. So say if you'd rather, instead of using Carey Price, go all the way up, you could use Sergey Bobrovsky with the rest of Paul's lineup on DraftKings. Just an interesting little uh, price differential there. Isn't that something? I'm going to take a look at that, AJ. Thanks for pointing that out. Uh, uh, A highlight of the discrepancy of
0: the prices. Sometimes it works in favor of the FanDuel players. Some of the times in DraftKings. This week, it clearly looks like DraftKings players have been an advantage in terms of the quality of players they can include in their lineups. So I'm going to be all over that. And uh, if I win a million dollars, I'll give you my 10 cent entry fee. (laughs) All right, fair enough. (laughs) Well, that's it for today's episode. And uh, we, as I said, will be tweeting out our next one, which will be our playoff preview show, just as soon as the matchups are known. The serious shooting is not that far away, and we can't wait. So in the meantime, as always, please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We invite you to listen in to podcasts to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. Playoff pools are coming around the corner, folks, so be ready. We'll be there to give it to you, and look forward to it. So long, everybody.